think tonight's a, an interesting interesting one to tackle at a time like this. We're going to be talking about suffering. Why are we experiencing suffering? Uh, what does scripture say about this? And, and how do we respond to suffering? Um, so I'm going, to, I'm going to dive right in. And I think it's really important that before we even begin to, to engage in this, uh, to recognize, as Tim Keller said, um, so like Will, um, he said that the best response to someone in the middle of suffering is silence and love, only speaking when spoken to. Um, and I think that's something that whenever we're going to be engaging in a discussion, like Malcolm was sharing with us last week about, you know, when do we engage, how do we engage? Um, if we're going to be engaging in a discussion with someone around suffering, is that this conversation always comes with a background to it. It always comes with, um, yeah, hurts and needs that people are going through. And so sometimes people aren't looking for an academic and philosophical response, but actually, um, yeah, silence, <laughs> being there, loving, um, being kind and compassionate. Um, and so I think that's something that's really important to to acknowledge and to recognize. Um, I think one of the things that that I struggle with this is that you're never going to know exactly who all is, is listening and where each of you guys are at. Um, and so to engage in this topic is going to be um, an interesting one. And I really want to say up front that I, I love you guys. Um, and I don't want you know, anything that I say to just increase suffering or come across as callous or come across as hard. So um, I've really been praying that God would um, protect us from that, protect you from that, protect me from that. Um, and, and that we'd be able to explore some incredible truths about God and um, wrestle with some of the mind-bending things around, around suffering, around evil. And so as I was doing research, you know, this one is not one that you want to do without research, uh, not a topic you want to engage. Um, I started engaging um, this question, why is there suffering? And this guy, Vince um, Vitali, um, he came up with seven approaches as to why um, we could um, believe in a God when they're suffering. Um, the first reason that he came up with was the objective reality of evil. Now, what this means is obviously there's a difference between subjective and objective. Uh, subjective is when I have an opinion on something and, and that's what I think and not what other people think. Objective is that there's just, this is what it is. Um, it doesn't matter what I think about it. It doesn't matter what you think about it. It is what it is. Um, and there seems to be an objective reality of evil, um, which in one sense, people go, you know, if evil exists, then God cannot exist. Um, because they're saying if, well, the God of the Bible cannot exist because uh, if God is all powerful and all loving, then um, either he would be able to find a way in order to, to make a world that's better, um, or he can't do that, and then he isn't all-powerful, or he doesn't want to do that, and so he's not all-loving. Um, and, um, yeah, a lot of it has to come down to what is evil. Um, you know, there's, there's many different understandings, um, and there are some subjective things, something that I would hold, more evil than other people would hold, for example. So um, for me, I have a very high view of marriage. That um, uh, Shannon and I both have a very high view of marriage. And so when people um, abuse that relationship or don't take that relationship as seriously, we think that's probably more evil than other people would think that. Um, but at the same time, there comes a point where everyone can look and go, that is just evil. Um, for example, when we 
um, yeah, see victims of the Holocaust. And that is something that always comes up, 9-11, um, uh, why, why on earth did these things happen? At the moment, the reality of the COVID virus, you know, I mean, that's just something like, that's not even caused by someone, that's just like natural evil. What is, what is God doing? Um, seems to be the question. If God's, if God's really all-powerful in control, should he get to take COVID virus away? Um, and it's a big question. It's a deep question. Um, and so it's crazy that um, we decided that we were going to do this talk way before COVID even was around. Well, it was probably around. It wasn't impacting us um, at all. And um, yeah, kind of wanted to, to engage with this because it's something that uh, I, it's a conversation that I enjoy talking about. I'm doing a course on the book of Job. Um, which doesn't really speak to suffering in general. It speaks a lot about suffering for Job, but what it does talk about is, um, you know, how innocent can suffer, but we'll get to that in a bit. Um, basically, getting back to the objective reality of evil, um, the understanding that there is such a thing as evil comes down to um, the whole idea that there's something beyond, there is a standard beyond mine and your standard that we hold there's a higher standard that we all hold to um, that is just subject to what is happening now a lot of people would call that nature nature is the thing um, that sets the standard um, but the problem is that when we look at nature um, it seems to be a very savage reality and it actually doesn't care much um, for who does good and who does evil um, in fact, it's only really humanity that seems to be stuck on this problem of why do bad things happen to me. Um, and, uh, and so it becomes a little bit like, well, where did this come from then? Why do we have this feeling? And so there's been a bunch of guys, and this guy, uh, Vince, uh, good old Vince, um, he, he speaks about uh, this, thing, this higher thing that we, um, that we call to um, and, uh, and how without that, it really all is subjective. Um, where there seems to be an objective reality. The next point that he, he, he leans on is the limits of human knowledge. Now, this is something that I think you'll hear a lot. Um, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. Um, and it's very true. Um, you know, when, when we were moving down from, from Cape Town, from Hilton to Cape Town, it seemed like a terrible, terrible idea. Um, why would we put ourselves through like the pain of having to leave everyone that we knew and loved and come to a place where no one knew and loved us. Um, and, um, you know, for, for a kid who has to go through that, there's no understanding as to why on earth would you, would you move me? Um, but then, actually, in the long run, it worked out better. I think living in Cape Town has been one of the greatest experiences for me um, and has grown me and shaped me into the person that I am today. Um, which is another whole part of the sermon and, and that sort of stuff. Um, but I think there are definitely things that God does that we, we won't know. I mean, Isaiah 55, he talks about, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my way, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts are than yours. Um, if, if the God of Christianity is as great as he claims to be, then there should be some things that we won't be able to understand in that time and in that space. Um, which is frustrating, and it actually feels like it doesn't help us at all. Um, but at the same time, um, there's perspective, and we'll get into that in a little bit. The next thing that is often spoken about is the response of freedom. Um, freedom to impact the world. Now, we can um, 
go into a whole lot of things, open a whole kettle of fish if you want to on, you know, do we actually have free will? Um, but it does seem to appear um, that our, our actions and our freedom to choose what we want to do impacts the world around us. Um, and this is often something that we, we argue in, in terms of moral evil, moral evil being when people do bad things. Um, it's because people have a choice to do bad things. We can fully decide whether or not we want to um, rob something or take something or lie about something. Whereas natural evil, it seems to be like, what is going on there? And in, in that case, um, scripture talks about how in, in Romans, we'll, and we'll get to that in a second as well, um, the earth is groaning. Um, and, and basically in this, in this argument on the response of freedom, um, one of the things is that right at the very beginning of scripture, we get to see how we got into all of this. And it was a choice. Um, scripture seems to give a very clear understanding that Adam and Eve had a choice of whether to not um, eat that fruit. That fruit. Um, and, the, and the serpent, he's there, he's offering the temptation, provides the reality that there's actually, in those choices that we make, in the freedoms that we have, there's an opposition. He's trying hard to make sure that we don't choose what God is trying to us to choose and that that escalates more and more we see that in Cain and Abel where um, the choice now has grown from do you eat this fruit to do I kill my brother um, and sin grows into this, this family dynamic and God warns Cain he's like sin is crouching at your door um, and uh, and so there's an intelligent evil and we get that's influencing our, our thoughts tempting us to go away from what God's thing is but we have the freedom still to choose um, do we go with what he's he's telling us or do we just go with what God's telling us? The next response is what it takes to be you. Now, one of the things that the, the problem of theodicy, which is a whole lot of this, is that um, if we had to imagine a world without evil, we'd probably imagine ourselves out of that world. Um, we'd like to think, you know, if... For example, my mom decided instead of marrying my dad, she was going to run off with um, a multimillionaire. Um, the likelihood is that I wouldn't grow up in a family with a multimillionaire. I wouldn't exist because my folks and the way that that's all worked out together has made it so that um, I, I happen. If, if she had walked, you know, married someone else, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. And, uh, and maybe it comes down to the point that maybe God loves you enough to keep this reality in the ways that you are, um, which is quite staggering to think. Um, if there was a different reality, we probably wouldn't be in that reality. Um, and that's that's a mind bender um, and lots of discussions. And that's really what I'm hoping. I'm hoping to throw out some things and we have some discussions, have some chats um, about it. Um, the next one is, is living life to the full. Now, this one is a very, very interesting one. Um, if you had to close your eyes and think of the greatest life that's ever been lived, um, someone who lived their life to the full and really just gave it horns, um, and you had to take out any kind of suffering or trial or pain from that life, would it be as great and as meaningful as that life is? This afternoon, Shannon and I were watching the new documentary of Bethany uh, Hamilton on Netflix. An incredible story of a young girl whose arm was bitten off in a shark attack. Um, and was part of the movie Soul Survivor. And, and this basically takes you um, through beyond that and goes further. And um, she's living a life where she's faced incredible adversity, like 
the whole time you're just thinking, how on earth is this girl doing these things? Um, and, uh, um, you know, constantly back up, up against the wall and, and she comes out still unstoppable, keeps on going. Um, and her life is great because she's continued in her faith and in her um, passion for what she, she loves doing. She loves surfing, which, you know, is why I love that movie so much as well. Um, but it gave, when you look at her life, it gives us such meaning and emphasis to be able to go, we can carry on. Um, there is hope. There is meaning. Um, and, and to look at her life and the way that it's impacting many, many people, um, to remove suffering from that wouldn't be a life that's lived to the full. And that's opens a whole lot of horrendous things. Um, but uh, there is something in which meaning is derived through suffering. Sixth is that we serve a God who suffers with us. And this, I think, is the most meaningful for me um, because all these others are really like big brain things and you're thinking outside. But this one comes right down to earth and, and Jesus came down and he suffered with us. And not only did he suffer then on the cross in the most brutal and horrific way, but he's here with us now and he suffers with us now. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And I think um, nothing says this for me more clearly then when I was struggling after just being robbed at gunpoint and, and really like, you know, whole emotions, everything kind of falling apart. And um, in that moment to have God with me was such a peace bringing thing, such a renewing thing and something that was able to rebuild me from that point forward. Um, the whole way in which I suffered was different because God was there with me. Not only as someone who sits there never having suffered, but as someone who has suffered, who has faced people who want to hurt him and actually killed him, and he was there with me. And then the last point is a matter of perspective. And this is an interesting one because a lot of us understand that, you know, like when we're in the moment, this is just everything that we're consumed with. This is all that we can see, all that we can feel. Um, but scripture holds a promise of something greater, something that uh, actually this world is is so short. And we're just travelers. We're just sojourners, as it says, um, traveling through. Um, and and ultimately, there's, a, there's a, a heavenly perspective, which we need to keep that ultimately God knows where we're going. Um, and, and he says there's going to be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering, um, which is incredible to know that actually um yeah god gives us a chance to genuinely choose him and when we choose him he's like we have eternity together it's just a short time now that that life is hard and life is going to be rough um and so that's uh vince's seven approaches that i've kind of taken and adapted um real food for thought there i think there's some really good stuff in there um but you know course being a theological student that's not all I could say about it what does scripture have to say um, obviously we've spoken a little bit of, on Genesis how did we get here um, and there's an active enemy um, and, and humanity has chosen to join with the enemy so many times uh, so that's that's Genesis Romans 8 verse 2 we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time and and I really like the idea of, of the distinction between nature and creation. I think there's something really important there. 
that um, when, when people speak about nature, they speak about the harsh reality of a fallen world. And when people speak about creation, um, it's about what God has designed and purposed. And yeah, there's just such a wholeness in there of, of um, this shalom, this serenity, this, um, this wholeness um, when we bring about creation. And that's something I hold on to from, from Romans is that actually there's our creation's longing as in childbirth to get back to that space and that there is going to be a time when that's no longer um, the reality. And then Job, Job speaks a lot into how the innocent can suffer, um, not just those who deserve it. Often we think that, um, you know, it's really terrible when, uh, you know, a child suffers because they don't even deserve it. They don't even need it. Um, and uh, in the Old Testament, there was a lot of, you know, secular belief at that time saying that if you did bad things, you were going to suffer. And so when people suffered, it was a result of the bad things that they had done. And Job actually goes, no, like this guy in the first two chapters we read, he was innocent. Like he didn't do anything to deserve um, what, what, what came upon him. Um, and so sometimes it's true that just doesn't matter what you do, suffering is going to come your way. And this is emphasized more in the New Testament. Um, and also in the book of Job, we see that, um, yeah, ultimately suffering isn't always caused um, by a heavenly court where Satan comes. But that was what was true for Job. And so um, we can understand where suffering comes from for Job, but it doesn't answer for the rest of us. I don't know. Maybe sometimes um, we have the privilege of being brought before God and going, um, have you considered this person? However, that privilege comes with a heavy cost. Um, and so that's some lessons that we learned from Job. Um, I'm busy studying it at the moment. Incredible book. Uh, that long middle bit that everyone skips out, it is confusing. It is hard. But if you want to chat about that, that would be epic. Um, yeah, all the different things. Oh, my brother's trying to video call me. I think I'll just ignore it. Um, he probably wants to play Fortnite or something. Because, you know, that's how we've been connecting recently. Don't judge me. Um, and then New Testament, it takes a massive shift. Um, radical shift from this Old Testament understanding that if you do bad things, um, you're going to be punished. To suddenly, suffering is normative. Um, and it's, in fact, what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're going to face suffering. So let's... Let's dive into the New Testament some more. Um, and, and the first reminder that we have, um, and, and one Peter just nails this so well, is that we're just travelers in this world. Uh, we're just going through, in fact, he, he speaks to all of the churches as he, as he welcomes them as fellow sojourners, uh, fellow travelers through this world. Um, and it doesn't matter where we consider home. Um, we're only here for a short time. And that's a, that's a really helpful perspective. Um, is that, you know, this too shall pass, uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, the next perspective is that we are joining in Christ. We're joining with Christ and joined by Christ in our suffering. Uh, Philippians 3. Now, Paul is writing this, and he's facing excruciating suffering. I mean, he's in chains for the gospel, being beaten. Um, and, you know, Paul just lived a life that was just nuts. Um, and in this time, he faced so much suffering. Um, but he speaks about in Philippians 3, just about how he's suffering with Christ, how he still chooses Christ. Um, to live is Christ and to die is gain. He holds that, that, that traveling um, kind of idea because he's just, we're just passing through. Everything that we do here is for Christ. doesn't matter what, who comes against us. Um, again, he was kind of expecting that we're all going to be facing suffering. Um, 
and and that actually that the fact that God is with us, um, at, you know, walking this with us is the only way in which we'll be able to um, really uh, survive suffering at all. The next um, thing is that we are, we grow and are developed into mature believers through suffering. Now this is like crazy. If you read Romans and James, it says I consider it pure joy because uh, you know it's perseverance, perseverance, hope, um, and then maturity. Uh, that's that's James, and it's yes, it's this thing of when you listen to someone who's gone through incredible suffering, you can see that it's a defining moment of their life. Everything changes. Um, I, I had the privilege of, um, you know, being uh, or pairing for a family um, that many of you know that were going through incredible suffering at that time. Um, and one of the joys in that was seeing the incredible people that they were becoming um, because of it. And uh, it was hard. I mean, that growing and developing is just, it's not easy. It is hard. Um, but who we become after it is incredible. And I think for myself, um, in grade 11, I missed the whole term of school um, because I was just sick with pneumonia, um, struggling there. And in that time, I mean, jeepers, isolation for a whole term was was rough. Um, didn't really have loads of visitors at that time. Um, there were a few friends who came to sales and whatnot, but you're sick. You just need to recover. You just need to get better. And you, you sit around lying. Um, lying down the whole time and that was hard that was rough um, but in that time looking back at the person that I've become because of that I got such a better perspective on life from that um, I decided from there that actually I was doing too much there were so many things that I was trying to juggle and and that I needed to, to really seek out purpose and and define what it is that I'm, that I'm actually chasing after um, and so in that there was a bit of, of growing and development through suffering from there and then finally, one day, there will be no more pain and suffering. And that is just, it's such a, such a relief and such a joy to know that actually, um, yeah, there's a reality where, where we're not going to be suffering anymore. Um, and I think this is something that um, when we're going through suffering and, and we're struggling, um, or when we encounter others who are suffering, um, this is something that a lot of people speak about. But there's a reality that the kingdom of heaven is now and it's not yet. And so while we hope for one day where it's always now, we always have the possibility of praying and calling it into the now. And that is something that is just incredible is that we get the, the privilege of calling out to, to creation for it to come back um, into its design purpose. Um, to, to say to, you know, injured body parts and, and, and broken broken limbs, you know, come back into alignment. Um, to say to, um, you know, spiritual forces of the world that are actively um, destructive, you know, be gone in the name of Jesus. Um, that, is, that is a present reality that, that we could experience both now and not yet. Uh, we experience it in part now, but we will experience it fully in, in, in time. And that is confusing. So if you don't understand that, um, do, do chat to me. Um, you know, because it's, it's a fun thing to engage in. And then finally, so we're speaking about suffering, but how do we suffer? And I think for a lot of us, this is something that really gets down to it. It's like when we're in the midst of it, what are some things to, to be aware of? Um, and Tim Keller is a pastor. We, Malcolm spoke about him last week um, very helpfully. Um, and he, he spoke about um, just 
yeah, some of the wisdom and, and stuff that he carries. And so here's seven lessons to suffering well, and I'm going to kind of take these and adapt them as well. Um, but the first one is like we quoted in the beginning, sometimes it's better not to say anything. And that's when we coming into contact with people who are suffering. It's like, just actually take the time um, to, to sit with them, to love them, to be there with them. Uh, it's incredibly hard now that we're all in isolation um, to be able to do this, but there are ways in which we can be there with people. Um, and especially, you know, in Italy, they were speaking um, about in the beginning when people were just dying. They were dying in isolation, all alone. And uh, it was rough. It was really, really rough. Um, and sometimes what we need when we're suffering is just someone sitting there with us, um, in there with us, which is, which is cool. Then make sure the meaning of your life is not founded on happiness. I think the Western culture that we have is probably the most unhelpful culture when it comes to suffering that the world has ever seen and ever will see because we've made ourselves and our happiness um, the purpose of life. Um, our life is founded on on happiness. And and Tim Keller just says, you know, actually, what are our, our affections on? What is it that when it's shaken, um, shakes us? If it's our happiness, then we need to really seek out something else. Um, you know, we've been practicing at PVC. You know, when does it take time to lament? When do we take time um, to make sure that we, we're not just focusing on our happiness and our, you know, for the sake of us? Um, so that's something, yeah, make sure that your life is not founded on happiness. Then beware of five pitfalls um, that, that we can fall into. Isolation, again, really hard um, in this time. But do not isolate you, yourself in your suffering. Um, we're stronger because we suffer together. Um, and um, we can take on more when we, when we do it together. Um, of course, the, the most important person that we suffer with is, is Jesus. Um, he's strong, strong enough. He says, bring your burdens, give them, give them to me. The next one is self-absorption. We get so caught up in our own suffering that we forget everyone and everything around us. And that can yeah, really lead to some crazy spirals. Um, and I think we are. We're living in an age of narcissism where everything is about me. Um, and it's led to some really devastating effects. Um, some of the things when this um, virus is breaking out, um, you see leaders who took the opportunity to take it for their own advantage um, from other people's suffering. And we all cried out, like, what are you doing? Why? Um, and, and that self-absorption is just really, um, it's a terrible pitfall to fall into. The next one, shame and guilt. Um, sometimes we feel like it's our fault that we're suffering. Um, sometimes we can make it worse. Um, you know, we can really do some, some further damage when we are in the suffering. Um, but if we're trapped in shame and guilt, it just comes back and it comes back and comes back and we go further and further and we're caught in a spiral um, saying, you're, you're not good enough. What are you, what are you doing? Um, guilt, you know, just like that was your fault. This is, you're the reason why you're stuck here. Um, and the joy about being a follower of Christ. So it doesn't matter what we've done. He can, yeah, he can forgive us. And, and so sometimes when we are caught in shame and, and, and guilt, it's recognizing what are some of the things that are lying what are some of the lies that, that, that this is? And then what are some of the truths that I actually have to repent of, um, which is really helpful. Anger. This is a huge one. We become so angry. We get caught in anger. We get caught in um, just being so furious. And often 
we could be wanting to do really good things, but if it comes out of a place of anger, it's still going to cause just as much hurt um, as if we didn't do those good things. Um, and so be really on your guard around anger. We don't want to be doing anything out of anger because it's just going to cause so much more pain. And then complicity. I'd rather just not do anything. Um, who cares? Like, I'm, I'm done. Um, we don't want to fall into that trap. There's so much more um, that we could be, could be experiencing. The next point he says is do not waste your sorrows. And this is when you want to find a meaningful time to actually engage with it, what we're dealing with. We like to sweep it under the rug. Uh, we like to move on. And then as soon as it's all over, we just come back to being like, woo, happy-go-lucky. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, is going to be an interesting discussion when we come out of coronavirus, the lockdown, you know. Um, how do we emerge from this? Um, if we're spending this time ignoring it, we're going to come out and want it to be exactly as it was before. Um, but that's not going to be helpful. That's going to be sweeping things under the rug and, and not going to allow people who are experiencing real hurts and pain in this time um, to be able to express that, to be able to move through it. Um, whenever we sweep something under a rug, it always comes back later. Um, and sometimes it comes back really nasty later. Um, and so take a time to lament. Take time to sit in, in sorrow. Um, and, uh, and don't dwell there for too long, but acknowledge it. Be there, present with it, and invite God into that space. Um, we are allowed at times when things are going crazy to, to be angry with God, to be like, God, why? Um, and even just to be disappointed, um, invite God into those spaces. And in fact, he's the only appropriate person that we can take these things to. Um, so that's, yeah, don't waste your sorrows. Then the next one um, is four key doctrines to hold on to. And this is, this is something that I think um, is really helpful. The first one is our understanding of God. We serve a God who is good, who is kind, who is wise beyond our understanding. Um, and, and to hold on to our doctrine of God, our understanding of God, who he is, who he says he is, who scripture says he is. In suffering, this is going to be attacked so much, which is why people use suffering as an argument for why there isn't God. The second one is our understanding of Jesus, what he's done. Um, yeah, the fact that he's with us, the fact that he suffered um, and, and can experience this. He knows what it means to suffer. Um, sometimes in church we display God as a God who's, you know, bringing lots of joy and happiness. And it can be really confusing when we go through suffering. Like, how could God understand that suffering? Um, when he's living in this perfect shalom where angels are just going, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory, holy, holy, holy. Uh, the reality is that he feels our pain with us. He walks in here uh, and he's experienced pain that we can't even experience. Um, so there's an understanding. The third doctrine is our assurance of our salvation. To know we are saved and what does that mean? How are we saved? Um, we're, we're not some kind of um, karma system that if we do enough good it's going to overcome the bad in which we do the work in which we've done or if we do too much bad then this is actually just what we deserve um, grace and, and salvation is so different to that when we come before christ in grace um yeah he offers whatever we've done and he says no come i'm going to walk this with you um, and so that's an incredible incredible truth to hold on to um, in times of suffering 
then and and that he walks with us um, when we're saved uh, his spirit is inside of us and then the fourth one is of course eternity one day we're going to be with christ we're going to be with god for all eternity there's going to be no more pain no more suffering no more sin mature people can cry i think this is something um that you know a lot of older generations probably more than us struggled with um I've had the joy of crying with many of you guys in the evening service and um, yeah, dealing with pain, and it's allowed. We're allowed to cry. We're allowed to experience pain. And then finally, let God refine you. In the same way that Romans and James is talking about how this can develop maturity, sometimes in suffering, uh, even if God, you know, it's happened because of just malicious evil on other people's part. God can use it to shape you into something incredible, to shape you into a life that's full of meaning, just like we experienced in Bethany's story where a terrible, tragic, like nonsensical act happened. And yet she's shaking things up and and shaping the world uh, because of her her courage and because of her faith. And that's that's all the slides that I have to say. Um, It has been a little while. I have said a lot. But actually, let's just spend some time just sitting. I think we all know people who are suffering. Um, we all know people who are going through pain. Um, and, and maybe you yourself are going through pain. Maybe you yourself are going through um, hard times. Maybe isolation is just hitting harder than you expected and you're going crazy. I know that yeah, some days this week I've just gone crazy. I just haven't been able to find joy in, in this because it's hard. Um, and yeah, I've been trying to do exercise and I've been trying to keep positive, but it's still hard. Um, and, uh, and yeah, let's spend some time bringing all of these to Jesus. Um, and if you, yeah, if you know someone else, maybe reaching out to them, offering to spend time, even if it is, um, playing a random game or doing something like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that you're with us. Thank you that your ways are higher than our ways. Lord Jesus, thank you that um, you offer us hope in the darkest places, Lord. And we come before you tonight, Lord, and ask that you would come into our darkest places. And Father, we ask as well that we would be light to other people's dark places. There would be people of the kingdom who can bring that future reality, that future joy to come to pass here and now. We pray for this country and yes, even this world that is suffering at the moment because of, yeah, this crazy virus and all the implications, people who have lost jobs, the people who, um, yeah, have lost their lives. Lord, would you draw close? Would you bring healing? And Lord, would you change this world for the better? In the name of Jesus, amen.